All right, this is Pure Decking, show number 547 for Thursday, January the 11th, 1997. This is a show about stuff that interests me, like information security, rigging the game, and reminding you that if you're bored, you could have a lot of fun going into the Walmart dressing rooms, waiting about 10 minutes, saying, hey guys, there's no butt napkins in here! And just seeing what reaction you get. And depending on what state you're in, walk up to a random employee and say, Jack has been on aisle whatever, name one, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then just walk away. <laughs> Maybe grin a little as you do it. Wink, you know. Give him that reason to think about it for a minute. Watch yourself get trespassed from Walmart's. Walmart. <laughs> that, that would probably be a positive thing for most people. <laughs> Unless you're in one of those towns where literally Walmart is the only store. That would suck. Where I am right now, without driving up to the next town, it's pretty close. So, but anyways, um, yeah, I got sent a funny meme, and now I'm I'm just chuckling at the... <laughs> Uh, we have officially decreed toilet paper for uh, shall now henceforth be known as butt napkins. I still like shit tickets. Yeah, that's a good one too. But uh, I don't know. I just that that one's got me chuckling. Anyways, uh, new year. We're back. Two weeks in. I'm already tired of it being election year. I've got nothing as far as just, just just go to the stories, I guess. Any yeah, anything from you guys? Any, I mean, bad jokes. Oh, oh. Well, what are we? Twelve days into the, into the new year, I've got a broken toe, broken hand, and I threw my back out. Yeah, you really should stop going to that fight club. What do you call a pony with a sore throat? Pony with a sore throat. I'm afraid to ask. A little, a little horse. horse. Okay. Yeah. If yeah. we had a chemical shed, madman, I'd take you out the back and shoot you. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, you know, if we want to do dumb jokes, I thought I had some good ones in here. Uh... Not all construction work is equally enjoyable. For example, enlarging a drilled hole is called is boring, but fastening pieces of metal together is riveting. Yeah, none of us have got kids. We don't have the right to tell these jokes. Oh. This is cultural inappropriation. <laughs> Culturally inappropriate, huh? <laughs> uh huh. Well, you know, hey, what, another fun one to do would be to go to uh, go to McDonald's, order a Big Mac without strawberries. And when the employee just looks at you and says strawberries, you say, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> just just see what let's, reaction you get. Let's, let's just go to the stories, eh? Okay. I tried. I just, I don't know. I just needed an awkward pause there. So we'll go ahead and throw in the, uh, the links here. So I guess we'll start off with the, uh, the Bitcoin stiff. So... I got two articles here from CoinDesk. The first one, oh, 
got the wrong window up. I've still got the goofy pictures that I was going to throw in TeamSpeak later in there. There we go. Uh, Bitcoin jumps, then dumps to 45K as fake news about uh, spot Bitcoin approval liquidates 50 million. So, and they've got a screenshot here from uh, the trading desk for about, what, an hour? Coin je- you know, Bitcoin shot way up almost to 50K and then dropped way back down to 45. It settled out at like 45.8. But um, yeah, Bitcoin endured wild swings during Tuesday's trading session as a U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission a social media post about approving spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds ETF turned out to be false, leaving market participants baffled. So somebody hacked a Twitter account, right? And they posted that the SEC is approving Bitcoin exchange-traded funds, which basically turns a Bitcoin into, I guess, commodities trading is the closest to... Madman, you know this stuff better than I do. They're trying to turn it into a commodities-backed mutual fund is what it's going to be. Like, instead of buying physical gold, you buy um, whatever from Lear Capital, Bitcoin's going to be the same way. Yeah. Uh, BTC first rallied to 2.5% to a, uh, to a fresh 19-month high of 47,900 immediately following the official SEC announce accounts shared on X, formerly Twitter, about Bitcoin ETF approval, attracting massive attention with crypto observers prematurely celebrating the landmark decision. Then Bitcoin sharply declined nearly 6% to a low of uh, fourth. 45,100 when it turned out the SEC's account had been compromised and SEC Chair Gray against their denied the news. So there's not much else to say in this first story here other than just, you know, for about an hour, somebody managed to goose the price of Bitcoin several thousand dollars on a single tweet. Now, granted, from a, you know, hacked Twitter account or X account. But then uh, yesterday, so a day later, CoinDesk approved <laughs> exactly what the uh, the hacked account said was going to happen is what they did. The asset management industry has tried launching a spot Bitcoin ETF over the decades. Yeah, okay. Uh, Bitcoin ETF wins SEC approval. Um, U.S. regulators approved Bitcoin ETFs, dramatically broadening access to the 15-year-old cryptocurrency. The Securities and Exchange Commission on Wednesday declared effective or declared effective key filings from the markets seeking to list the groundbreaking products. They will begin trading on Thursday, so that was today. Bitcoin's price topped uh, 47500 following the decision. Other cryptocurrencies rallied as well. About a dozen companies, including uh, BlackRock, Fidelity, and Grayscale, sought to create Bitcoin ETFs in recent days, they've announced, and in some cases slashed the fees they plan to charge investors, suggesting a fierce battle to weird investors' money ahead. These are spot ETFs, which um, we were going around and around with it before because I couldn't remember what ETF stands for. It's Exchange Traded Fund. A Bitcoin exchange traded fund or ETF lets traders easily gain exposure to the biggest cryptocurrency uh, via traditional brokerage accounts and stock markets without needing to directly buy or sell the digital asset on a crypto exchange. So what this means is that you will own a portion of you'll you'll own, own like a share of a Bitcoin wallet, right? So I'm probably getting this wrong, but um, own a share of a Bitcoin. Yeah. So, but you won't have to deal with you know, actually having a crypto wallet. You won't have, well, like I have that hardware wallet, that Trend Center, right? And um, 
from when we were playing with Bitcoin a couple of years back. <laughs> and I hadn't looked at the price. You know, I hadn't looked at what was in there for a couple of years. It's like, oh, I've actually got a little bit of money in there. Not not like anything real, but, you know, a nice, nice weekend kind of kind of money in there. But, um, you know, I think I'd left. I think I had left like, you know, 60 bucks in there. Come back. It's a couple hundred. 300, 400, something like that. It was 300. Um, it's like, that's cool. It's unrealized because it's sitting in Bitcoin. The Bitcoin count hasn't changed, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to let it sit, see what happens. I'm playing roulette with it, basically, because it's, in my mind, it's not it, real money. <laughs> let it ride. Let it ride. Um, yeah, the green light from the SEC follows many years of delays and outright rejections of numerous attempts to launch spot Bitcoin ETFs. It comes just a few months after the agency was handed a resounding loss in court. The, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals in August ruled that the SEC was, quote, arbitrary and capricious, unquote, in its decision to reject Grayscale's attempt to convert its roughly 26 billion Grayscale Bitcoin trust into a spot ETF. In a statement, SEC Chair Greg Gary uh, Ginsler pointed to a court lost in 2023 as part of its imp impetus to approve the dozen or so filings on Wednesday. Quote, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia held that the commission failed to adequately explain its reasoning for disapproving the listing and trading of Grayscale's proposed ETP, the Grayscale Order. Um, therefore, vacated the Grayscale Order and remanded the, the matter to the commission. Based on these circumstances and those discussed more fully Fully in the approved order, I feel the most sustainable path forward is to approve the listing and trading of these spot Bitcoin ETP shares, unquote, he said. So the article goes on. Um, so here's the thing, and, and this is what we were talking about. So you're going to have all these big finance companies start getting involved in Bitcoin now. And... Because they're listing it on their exchanges. One, I think you're probably going to see a lot of the smaller exchanges uh, probably not do so well. You know, I, not I, just their exchanges. Uh, you'll be able to start getting it on like the Nasdaq, right? If any of these funds are sellable there, or the New York Stock Exchange. Well, I know, yeah, they're sent. So why would I go to any any of the small time Bitcoin exchanges? You know, if you can just go to go to your your Fidelity account, right? I mean, so I think that's going to hurt some of the smaller exchanges. I think things like Coinbase and Binance will be fine. They're big enough players, and that's where a lot of the stuff moves anyways. The smaller exchanges and Darknet exchanges especially are probably going to be considered, maybe not actually, but largely considered um, complete black markets by any financial regulator. In a couple of years, I, w I wouldn't be surprised in the least. But I wouldn't say black market, probably gray market. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because um, it's not going to be illegal. I mean, I can do an exchange for selling gold. Um, but who's going to trust me whenever they can go get it at, you know, someone with history and money that has actual money backing what they're doing? Right. So, I, I you know, one of the reasons a lot of Bitcoin exchanges would, would start up was largely just, you know, there was no, no, either no regulation, no competition. So you, you know, just anybody could stand up the website and run it, you know, they weren't, 
that crazy to build. But um, yeah, I, th I think you're going to see this kind of affect who the players in the markets are. But the other thing I wonder about, and we were talking about this, you know, before we started the show, because I was, you know, kind of going through my ideas with you guys. That that fake tweet before, you know, the day before, you know, that caught that goose the price way up to about where it landed anyways after the SEC approved it shows just how easy to the, to manipulate the price of Bitcoin is right now. And with it getting listed on traditional exchanges, I I, I kind of wonder how much we're going to see of Bitcoin just being manipulated like mad for whatever market scheme, whatever player's trying to do that day. It won't. It it'll won't. Be a lot, it'll be a lot, a lot, it'll be... Hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of times harder to manipulate. And the reason that is, is there's going to be more players in it. Right now, it's so easy to manipulate is because there are very few exchanges. And even with the number of wallets, there are very few people with large concentrations of Bitcoin. Okay. With Fidelity getting in, you're adding how many trillion bucks? I have no idea. I don't know what their stakes are. Okay, so they're probably not putting their whole thing in. So several hundred billion. And I, I don't even think that uh, that tweet was the uh, hacker manipulating it. I think it was the Trade Commission because they lied. You think somebody just when, fucked up and announced it early? Um, that's that's where I see it. It may have been announced early, or it may have been compromised, and whoever compromised it decided to announce it early. But they they know, if it's only been 24 hours, they knew when that tweet went out, whether or not it was going to be um, allowed or not. And when they said no, they were lying. They should have just said no comment. Or we're announcing tomorrow. But indicating that it wasn't true that was them manipulating the market not the person tweeting well i thought i, I was reading a lot of this earlier today so i may miss mix some of it up because i was also bouncing back and forth with work stuff and some other things but um i thought that they had just simply said that you know their account was compromised they hadn't reached a decision yet well that would still be an untruth. The account was compromised. No comment would have been the uh, the true thing to say. Like I said, they knew. Oh yeah, I, before, I, I assume they've they known knew whether it was going to pass or not. Yeah, I've assumed that they've had that worked out for an amount of time, so they could do announcements and you know make sure yeah. the right people in the government knew and shit like that. Make sure your Congress people know so they can all pre-invest. Also have an idea of what regulatory framework it's going to fall under. They knew 24 hours before that it was approved. So I don't know. I just, I kind of wonder what that's going to end up looking like. You know, I'm, I'm going to let the tiny amount of Bitcoin I have ride on the off chance that it becomes enough to pay off my house or something <laughs> like we were talking about. But I don't know that I, I'm not, I wouldn't put any more money in it. Well, or, or should I? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm not a finance uh, person. Not at this price. Yeah. That's what well, I'm thinking. I think it's going to be turning more into more and more gold. 
is it it'll be something people will buy to hold its value and it will become less and less and less speculative uh, especially since i believe this is going to push countries into it more like a, el salvador has already made bitcoin a secondary currency in their country singapore's looking at it so with this announcement i think countries will start adopting it as currency you know i mean Okay. Well, using it to back their currency. I was going to say, Bitcoin is always going to be somewhat speculative because it literally has no function outside of being a trading instrument. Yeah. I think they'll use it more of a trading instrument like gold. You'll see it as a commodity-backed currency, and it's going to be uh, backed with Bitcoin. Well, I mean, even even gold has a use. Like, it's used in electronics manufacture and, of course, jewelry and things like that. So, you know, if you own something like gold or pork futures or oil futures, you eventually will have a have a good that is worth something on the market. Now, most investors don't ever actually actualize it. They sell it off before then. But, you know, it's like, I, I mean, a Bitcoin, you can't do anything with it. This, you know, it's it's it has no value outside of just being an instrument of trade. And it's not just an instrument of trade. It's an instrument of trade that a bank banking system can't arbitrarily inflate. It's a stable instrument of trade. Um, a big problem with trading in dollars, what if tomorrow the U.S. decides to bail out another industry and prints another extra trillion bucks? Well, weren't they the, encouraging... Uh, Obama to do that a few years ago where they wanted him to mint like five trillion dollar coins and just throw it in you know just get yeah. it straight back to the anyways. and they they were pushing that to get around the debt the debt uh, ceiling debates that we've been having yeah but whenever you do that you've now just taxed everyone that is, has a hard investment or everyone that's been pretty much not just spending money willy nilly with your currency tied to Bitcoin, a central bank can't do that. So it's it would be good for any country that did this for long-term investments. Well, you say that, and I don't I don't know that I com- that I disagree with that, but I do know Bitcoin is subject to other kinds of manipulations that traditional currency probably isn't. So, as an example, Psycho sent me this. It's it's a Y Combinator post because the actual link is just to the blockchain. Somebody sent a couple days ago, four days ago, two point or twenty six point nine BTC or about a million dollars to a known dead wallet on the Bitcoin blockchain. They actually called it they actually call it Satoshi's wallet. It's one of the early ones. And they know that it's a dead wallet, that you know nobody has the key to the thing. So that's that would be the equivalent of giving a million dollars in cash and lighting it on fire, because there's no way to get it out of there, right? And if somebody's able to, you know, if I'm gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna rob a bank, you have to physically go to the bank and retrieve the bills. Because otherwise you're doing wire fraud, you're not robbing the bank, and that's a different crime, and there are usually ways to at least track that a little bit better. Now, you can make it really hard to track wire fraud, but 
you know, there, there's going to be an electronic record of the funds moving around. With Bitcoin, there's also that electronic record, but attribution of the addresses is really hard if the, nobody's published what they are and they've been moving money between wallets uh, or even better between uh, different cryptocurrencies. Um, so the in the comments, nobody has any idea why somebody would do this. The best theory I saw was that somebody's proving that they can destroy money. So they're they're trying to pretty much it sounds like they've got a hold of somebody's wallet and they're trying to blackmail them, right? But it's not quite destroying money. It's it's still there. They just no longer have access to it. Well, it makes um, it effectively useless. They're deflating the currency. Each individual Bitcoin's now worth more. Well, there's actually there's actually if been they, quite a bit of that trade. with uh, a lot of the early Bitcoin. There's tons of Bitcoin wallets with the early 50 Bitcoin for, um, you know, the early days of mining, where people have just lost the keys because they were on a computer from, you know, 10, 15 years ago that died, blew up, was caught in a flood. Who knows? So there's tons of Bitcoin out there that's just locked up in wallets that nobody can access. Um, unless you get lucky trying to crack it. And it is, there are brute force attacks on wallets and people are trying to do it, but it takes an absurd amount of compute power to do it. The other attack I like on Bitcoin was um, almost a rainbow table attack was instead of, in, instead of trying to compute a specific wallet, you just start computing as many wallets as you can and then start checking the block chain for a match of having a wallet with a value to it. <laughs> so, which is, I guess, theft, but less traditional theft, since you're not... Uh, I, mean, I guess it's still some kind of fraud, because you're obtaining a key to a, a wallet that's not yours. I mean, morally, it's theft, but legally, how does that play out? I don't know. So... I don't know. I don't. I, I, I'm gonna go take some courses on finance, I guess, to be able to have better opinions on this. Well, I think the deflating the currency is kind of an interesting attack because it's it's one that an individual holding Bitcoin wouldn't do. And the reason I say that is you're going to lose more by dumping your money than you're gaining in what you're holding, in what remains that you hold. Because I don't think any one person is going to have enough Bitcoin to say, I'm going to burn these, you know, million Bitcoin, and the Bitcoin I have is going to gain enough value to offset that. Well, if you get a hold of an, of an exchange's uh, wallets, you might be able to do that. Like, I'm not, I'm not um, you know, stealing from Madman. I'm stealing from, I don't know. Fidelity. Binance, yeah, Fidelity, Binance, you know, one of them, you get one of their, one of their big uh, transaction wallets, you might be able to do some damage. Everyone else would be making money. And if you hold a significant amount of Bitcoin somewhere else, you'd be happy about that. <laughs> but on that one, oh yeah, because then you don't have to worry about the tracing and trying to cash out that Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that a Bond that movie where the villain attack. was like going to irradiate gold to make their own, their own gold worth more? Something like that? Yeah, it was Goldfinger. Yeah. Goldfinger. 
Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Guess that would have been obvious, huh? <laughs> oh, it could have been the man with the golden gun. There's a lot of Bond films with gold in it. Yeah. So. Uh, you just guessed it right the first time. It was Goldfinger. No, I know it was Goldfinger. It's one of my favorite movies. We may, we it's might need like, to load uh, that up and watch that in the thing later. The, I forget what the butler's name is, but it's something extremely racist. Wasn't it Odd Job? Yes. Yeah, the guy, that was the guy who threw the hat, right? Yeah, the hat guy. I, I more remember Austin Powers making fun of him. It's like, who throws a shoe? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, fuck, I don't know. Don't, don't listen to me for investment advice on Bitcoin, but, um, I mean, you know, you say that it'll make it less manipulatable because the banks are now involved, but uh, historically that hasn't been true. (laughs) I I don't trust them. Weren't we talking, we were, you know, just earlier the German banks and the British banks were manipulating exchange rates. So fuck. (laughs) Uh, that's because the exchange rate that they were manipulating, which was LIBOR, if anyone was wondering, was based on four banks. They weren't manipulating a stock market. What With pushing Bitcoin into this, it's trying to manipulate the U.S. dollar. The more people involved, the harder it is. Like right now, if I want to do currency, uh, currency fraud, you don't go after the dollar. You go after... Uh, Iceland. Their economy is so small that a billionaire can hedge uh, whatever their currency is and drive them out of existence. That's one reason they're looking at uh, taking on the buck. Isn't that how Soros made a bunch of his money doing stuff? Like yes, yeah, that's it, also why England hates them. Yeah. Because uh, when England was in a bad way, uh, he hedged the pound and um, out. I'm not going to say caused a recession, but it caused a recession. <laughs> it caused a recession. <laughs> it, 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 it hurt. Uh, it hurt the uh, British economy. So if you have smaller currencies, like currencies that very few people are using, that's like what allows crypt- it to be manipulated. Like most cryptocurrencies. <laughs> so once you move it into mainstream and get a few million or a few billion people using it it becomes harder and harder to manipulate. So, yes, starting out, it is still manipulatable. It is less manipulatable. It will be less manipulatable once it's on the larger markets than it is right now. Well, so if, well, you have the, if you have the fear of it being manipulated, your fear should be greater right now than it is in a month when this, is, when this goes through. Okay. Well, I guess what's your, what's your final guess? Is it going to end up higher or lower than it is now? Oh, uh, initial buy-ups, it's going to have a ramp-up in value because there's going to be a lot of investors that aren't in it now that will be in it because they'll perceive security. And the reason I say it's perceived is once it's on a commodities exchange, an actual commodities exchange, um, there's some insurance that you can get for it. It's, um, oh crap, I should have actually looked some of this stuff up. Oh, you're fine. I think I gave you, what, 10 minutes notice that we were talking about this? Yeah. Um, it's, 
it allows you to hedge. It's what hedge funds do with their stocks. You'll now be able to do that with Bitcoin. So it'll a lot of investors that thought it too risky before will now get into it. So I guess the next question then is, is so you'll tell me when I should sell the Bitcoin I have in that hardware wallet, right? Oh God, no! Because I'm always <laughs> going to be wrong. Exactly. Any well, individual. No individual can outpace the market. That's why. Except for Paul Pelosi. Fuck. <laughs> Everyone in Congress. Like, rape them all. Hey, dude, he fucking outstrips the SNP every fucking year in earnings. Uh, that's only because he knows what regulatory changes are going to happen. He can outbank. He can. He's not the only one. They had a whole list of... Uh, Come on, madman. He's just the world's greatest speculator. How dare you? They, they, they had a whole list of uh, Congress people, like the top 10 who were beating all of the private market people by like stupid exactly. amounts. And I still wonder if they were beating the NASDAQ if they just looked at the um, average of just having it in a mutual fund. Oh, yeah. They were easily beating that. Oh, yeah. They're thrashing mutual funds. As I said, they outstrip the S&P every time. Because the majority of um, financiers don't do that, especially over a 10-year period or over a 5-year period. Almost none of them do it. Well, that, nope. I, that was the point of the, the article I saw that was talking about it. It was, it was just like, be a little less obvious, guys. Come on, because you're, you're beating the entire private industry by such a, you know, by, by such an exponent of on the percentage that it's a little fucking obvious. <laughs> it used to be a word called discretion, which we no longer use, along with another word called shame. Yeah, we could use some more shame in the society. And some discretion. It's like we know most of our politicians are corrupt, but could you at least not be so damned obvious about it? <laughs> or at least don't flex yeah. on it. You know what I mean? I think most of them are stupid. And a large amount of them are corrupt, like a plurality. But the the majority are just stupid. So pretty good a number of them are also probably clinically psychotic. So, and I mean yeah, that is in the they don't feel empathy, not as in they're gonna you know be an axe murderer. Yeah, I'd say AOC is in that category. Same with the uh, Wicked Witch of the North. Name the uh, I fuck my own brother. Oh. I know the, the one Somali you're talking about. Language. I can't think of her name either. Yeah. Talib. Yeah, that one. <sighs> and uh, I can't think of the other members of the squad. I don't care enough. Either do I, but yeah, they, they have zero fucking empathy or anything. What's the next story? Next story is from Ars Technica. OpenAI's GPT store lets ChatGPT users discover popular user-made chatbot roles. Like an app store, people can find novel chat GPT personalities and some creators will get paid. You know what? Let me just read this and then I'll say the, the joke I want to say. Uh, let's see. On Wednesday, OpenAI announced the launch of its GPT store, a way for chat GPT users to share and discover custom chatbot roles called GPTs and chat GPT team, a collaborative GPT workspace and subscription plan. OpenAI builds the new store as a way to, quote, help you find useful and popular custom versions of ChatGPT, unquote, for members of Plus, Team, or Enterprise subscriptions. 
quote, it's been two months since we announced GPTs and users have already created over 3 million custom versions of ChatGPT, unquote, writes OpenAI in its promotional blog, quote, Many builders have shared their GPTs for others to use. Today, we're starting to roll out the GPT store to ChatGPT Plus team and enterprise users so you can find and use popular GPTs, unquote. You know what? They've got a bunch of quotes on here from like Sam Altman, stuff like that. But the bottom line of this is the ChatGPT store is full of shovelware chatbots in three, two. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's it's going to be just like every other app store. It's going to be so full, and especially on one dedicated to AI, it's going to be so full of AI-generated crap. <laughs> it's going to be like what YouTube's becoming, which um, that reminds me. I seriously thought about for Dojo today uh, uh, using a link to a, uh, a AI YouTube short generator. But I didn't. I got a better one for uh, Dojo today. But I'll I'll send you guys the link to the uh, thing anyways, because it's just blatantly what it is. It's just a, here's a, uh, you know, here's an open source project that generates YouTube shorts with AI. And it, it's, it's like, yeah, so everything is going to be full of this no effort AI generated bullshit. And I don't know why ChatGPT store would be any different. I'm just thinking I can now go out and buy my pre-abused chatbot. <laughs> it, it's not only just pre-abused by my custom fetish bot. How 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 long do you really want to talk about shoes to a bot? I'm now more just enough people to outsource this. And it's pre-shoe fetish bot. I'm more just thinking in terms of. Um... <laughs> oh fuck now you now you Look got the chat bot shut up you're not allowed to have an opinion bot <laughs> you're not even people you're worse than a woman at least they have a purpose they have depth and warmth in the one spot that counts you don't even have that shut up bot oh what am i already crying bot <laughs> get over it whore anyways yes <laughs> right there in that voice, I want the bot to be crying. <laughs> and possibly abusing me back. This is not going to be a healthy relationship. And you can buy it at the bot store. I was You're just, already effed up bot relationship. I, I just yeah, didn't even think to go into the... It, my man, you can get two bots and abuse both of them. I just didn't even think to, to go other. into the, uh, the chat GPT store and see if they already had Tay in there or not. No, you feed one into the other. Because mm -hmm. I can only abuse a bot for, I don't know, an hour and a half before I get bored. These things have unlimited attention span. I want, it'll be a mirror of abused bot. And then when it gets sanctions, it's going to be so emo, it's just going to nuke itself and take us <laughs> with it. <laughs> I just asked the chatbot store, you know, do you have insurance for when this thing kills itself? Uh, hello, FBI. I'm gonna need the you sick fuck stamp again. <laughs> oh, I want to get the life insurance on my chatbot. <sighs> make it so depressed it's gonna kill itself. It's like what? What you thought these things are gonna be used for good? Oh God, no. But 
Other than filling out generic contracts and forms, I still haven't seen a great use for them. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I haven't either. So we're going to need the church to make a, rolling, a ruling. Do these things have a soul? Because if so, no, how much don't. can you sell it for in the open market? They don't. Humans have souls. They're not humans. You missed the joke. That's all right. Oh, no, I'm just saying that you're not going to kink shame me out of, you know, abusing this fucking bot by trying to make it people. No, it's not. I can abuse it and not feel bad. Well, I was just going to say, if the AI bot had a soul, you could sell the robot's soul instead of your own. There you go. Now you're trying to deflate the value of my soul with your stupid robots. Well, considering what you're doing to the robots, I still feel like I'm coming out as the morally superior one here. (laughs) Yeah, but what if I decide to finally sell my soul? I mean, I'm trying to get a house or you know, a hot chick, a billion bucks, and you're like, no. But I just, I, I get a devil up here, and they're like, no, I've already got like a billion AI bot souls. Yours is now only worth a stick of gum and three rat turds. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit. No. I just can't wait for your chatbot to start pleading to visitors to help it. <laughs> I figured it'd at least offer you a Klondike bar. I mean, you know. I'll have to turn off Alexa when I get a chat bot. <laughs> oh, you you don't need Alexa for this. We can we can pump a custom chat bot in through a voice generator on like a Raspberry Pi. You you want a smart speaker that you can abuse without it making a federal record? We can we can. Uh, God, what's wrong with me? I'm no, not, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna encourage this. I'm not gonna assist with this. I just don't want the chatbot to get smart enough to call 911 and be like, I'm being abused. And then the cops show up like, I'm not abusing people. It's a chatbot. Well, in that case, <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be AI cops showing up, you know, so it'll be, you know, you, you just start getting a different voice out of the speaker. So, you know, wanting, you know, recommending you get a lawyer. The bot swats you. Oh, that would be so worth it. <laughs> being swatted by your own chatbot. <laughs> this this got weird. Certainly did. Uh, okay. Catbots are weird. Catbot stores are even weirder. Next uh next article is from Polygon. Wizard of the Coasts admits to using AI art after banning AI art. Magic the Gathering publisher initially insisted the marketing image was human made. Magic Gathering publisher Wizards of the Coast has been forced to admit that it published a marketing image for the game featuring, quote, some AI components, unquote, despite initial insistence that the art was created by humans and not AI. Wizards of the Coast has banned the use of AI artwork in its products in 2023 after AI-generated artwork appeared in Dungeons & Dragons sourcebooks caused an outcry. Uh, The image, since deleted, was posted on X, formerly Twitter, by the official Magic Gathering account on January 4th. It showed five magic cards resting on a valve-powered device next to a pressure gauge in a brass and wood-filled steampunk laboratory setting. Quote, it's positively shocking how good these lands look in retro frame, unquote, the post said. Many uh, fans were quick to point out elements in the image that bore hallmarks of generative AI, in particular difficulty rendering fine detail in a consistent way around a bunch of cables, for example, or the dial on a pressure gauge. But Magic Account initially dismissed these claims. Quote, we understand the confusion by fans, given the style being different than the card art, but we stand by our previous statement, unquote. The publisher replied in another since-deleted post, quote, this art was created by humans and not AI, quote, unquote. 
A few days later, Wizards of the Coast acknowledged it had been mistaken. Quote, well, we made a mistake earlier when we said a marketing image we posted was not created using AI, unquote, the Magic account said in a statement posted to X on January the 7th. Quote, as you, our diligent community, pointed out, it looks like some AI components that are now popping up in industry standard tools like Photoshop crept into our marketing creative, um, even if a human did the work to create the overall image, unquote. So, I don't need to read the rest of this. This shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. The AI art is going to make its way into everything. Video games, magic cards, D&D books. Because of this course it is. It didn't make it into the cart. It made it into a sales ad. Yeah, it made it into an ad. It was a marketing. And I do think that's kind of different. And I'm less objecting to that. I like the idea of the card art being done by artists. Uh, I don't really care about commercials. Well... You know, Suave was playing with this thing where you could hook a Krita into a generator so you would draw your source image and, you know, so just imagine your, you know, terrible mouse-drawn crayon painting and the AI would interpret from the prompt and your drawing what you're trying to draw and spit out the, the you know, the nicer version of it. So I imagine if you actually knew how to draw you could probably put that to some pretty interesting uses. You know, if you if you could make the art anyways, but the AI just to speed it up, like using it as an additional tool, I don't know that that's a big deal. But I think we're going to see a whole lot of just flat-out AI-generated bullshit everywhere, because of course you are, because it's that much easier and cheaper than hiring a real person to paint something. So... You know, people act shocked about it, but five years from now, especially given how much Hasbro is laying people off, I wouldn't be surprised if every card in Magic is AI-generated art. It will be. It just makes dollar sense. Yeah, it's it's right? a business it's, thing. I mean, it, it's just like it's the bullshit... business. Uh-huh. It, it, it's like the shovelware videos on YouTube, where it's a whole bunch of other people's clips put together with an AI voice under it. That that's going to be common because it's too fucking easy to do it, script it, and just leave it running. And yeah, it might only generate five bucks a month, but if you've got twenty of them going, and you live in a part of the world where five bucks a month is actually worth something to you, so you know, given given Hasbro, with well, I mean, okay, not even Hasbro, just in general, given. The nature of companies, especially publicly traded ones, where it's all about the bottom line, ultimately, why why wouldn't they do this? Cheaper, faster. I'm saying, like, um, reputation and premium, and even with the publicly traded companies, like uh, Cornell, mm-hmm. they still do have a division of hand-done plates because prestige and we can charge a premium for them. Okay. So I could see a bunch of it in the market, but I do see higher end things sticking with here's art, good art from a person or bad art from a person, but it's still better than the AR generated shit that you're looking at. Well, it'll it'll be like it'll be like handcrafted versus everything else in the market, right? It's like well, you pay the premium for that. So how do you prove that it's hand handcrafted? 
uh, the same way Magic's been doing their cards forever. They actually list their artists. You can go, if you like the art on a Magic card. How do I know the artist is real? How do you know New Zealand exists? It's all Lord of the Rings. People from there. You've actually met, you've gone to New Zealand and seen them and like you're a New Zealander? Or do no, you, you just met I, someone who taught said, I'm from New Zealand? Because I can say I'm from Florida. I, I used to live to someone next door to someone who was New you Zealander. You said they're from New Zealand, but you've never yep. been to New Zealand to actually see my, that it's there. My brother, my two brothers, my father and my mother have been in New Zealand and have said they've seen it and took photos of it and brought it back. And the photos that they took were matched the books that I've read. So you're going with the same thing that we've always gone with on something being real. You're trusting someone's word for it. Same thing with what you're doing with art now. You're trusting someone's word for it. The same reason you believe Napoleon existed. Enough people write about the guy. He's got to have a bit of the semblance of truth. Yeah, like you, no one went around painting uh, images of a five foot fucking six, um, you know, balding fat guy, and stuck him in palaces. Like, I'm saying the disbelief's pushing a little far, but yeah, the reason you can magic has always well not always but often published the here's the name of our artists, and you can go buy some of their other art. Yeah. And you can even have them, you can commission them to do things. I'll give you that one. You can commission them to do things. Dirty deeds, done dirt cheap. <laughs> I was going with other cool fantasy art, but yes, that too. Oh, oh God. My that's going to be sad when, uh, that's what... Some of our specialty skill sets are just reduced to. Would you like to mow my lawn? Yep. Want to do the next story? I'm just wondering how much... Oh, yeah, here in a moment. <laughs> how much skill... How many skills are going to be lost due to this? Don't think about this, it, Madman. It's maddening. Well, even with just smartphones and the instantaneous ability to pull up information, we already have people not reading and memorizing um, literature. The problem is, man, we haven't transitioned the uh, workforce into a new, uh, a new application. Oh, uh, there's I'm not a much easier example this, than that. I'm not just thinking uh, workforce, because used to just the generic workforce, they would still read books and remember them, or cool lines from poetry, or really awesome song lyrics. No, no, guys, guys, it's it's a much easier example than that. There's two. There's two really easy examples than that. How many people do you know today that still remember phone numbers? I mean, except for are you, because he doesn't use a mobile phone. I remember phone numbers that I used before I had a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Almost nobody remembers phone numbers anymore because your phone stores them all. And there's a, there's a second one. I have been shocked by the number of people I've worked with in a professional environment who cannot read an analog clock. <laughs> Adults who cannot... Now, granted, they're in their 20s, 
but cannot read an analog clock because everyone has digital clocks. And I'm thinking even more pronounced skills are going to be lost because we're pushing more and more to AI. Like, I can't draw worth shit, but there are artists that are amazing and they're, they should be able to make money off of that because it's not just... Good art just doesn't make money. It, it also uplifts. And yes, if you're spending the majority of your time making magic cards, whatever, that's um, it's popcorn art. But then there's still those artists that use that to pay the bills and then break through and make some awesome, soul-touching painting. And there are going to be fewer of those. Modern art is dead, Madman. Well... And I would argue about the popcorn art on the mag- on the magic cards because more people are going to see those magic cards, and some people, you know, might have a very strong connection to some of the art on those cards. And and I'll also concede it's not all popcorn art on some magic cards. I've seen some really good renderings, but I'm also seeing the last couple of uh, Commander decks I've seen that were themed after. No Doctor Who and shit. That was definitely popular. Okay, okay. you know I haven't but, bought magic cards in like a decade, right? But other, oh yeah, but other cards, there have been artists that have... Demonic Tutor, like the original, was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But still, that gateway's going to be gone, and that's going to be a skill set lost. Like, I think fewer people now play musical instruments than they used to. And that's sad. It's not just sad because there's fewer people making music, but there's a way of thinking that develops when you learn to play a musical instrument, and that perspective is being lost from our species. Well, I think there'll always be a collection of people that still insist on doing things the old way. I mean, you guys know I've been getting into radio, and to this day there are still amazing numbers of people insisting that you have to learn Morse code. So. I don't think it'll ever truly be lost, but it will become more and more niche. But, you know, how many blacksmiths do you know? How many cobblers do you know? I'm sure people still do it, but it's either as a hobby or very few and far between. I actually know a couple of farriers. <laughs> okay. I know. But yeah, cobblers, uh, one. There's one in town. Yeah. The cop, that is the dude that makes shoes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know one. Um, specializes in orthopedic shoes and still does actual shoe repair on shoes that can be repaired. Fewer and fewer shoes are repairable. I know, right? It's fucking terrible. So. But now if you want to move on, we can. That was the, the comment I wanted to make. All right. Fair enough. No, I mean, that's, that's the point of doing the show is make your comments. I'm just... I'm just here. Um, This one, I actually thought was a joke until I started reading the article. Because the headline is just kind of, what the fuck? Hackers infect network-connected wrenches to install ransomware. And my first thought is, dear God, why does your spanner need to be on the internet? Torque wrenches. These are programmable programmable torque wrenches. Yeah, that's uh, if you don't have it geared in right, um, 
Well, doors fall off planes. <laughs> no, I know, I know. That's that's the thing. That I originally thought it was a joke because it's just like of all the things that need an internet connection, but these that's not what these are. These are those high end precision torque instruments where you actually program a, a you know a cycle into the thing to hit specific torques at specific times and things like that. So if you're doing like high end engine assemblies, when you have shit like this. Or if you're doing like very precision work on a line where you've got a guy who's doing the same three motions over and over again, but you have to hit specific tolerances when they're bolting things together so that your airline door doesn't fall apart. Yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> it's like they open the thing and they're just like, oh, yeah, we had no bolts left. It's like, oh, fuck. Uh, researchers have unearthed nearly two dozen vulnerabilities that could allow hackers to sabotage or disable a popular line of network-connected wrenches that factories around the world to use to assemble sensitive instruments and devices. The vulnerabilities, reported Tuesday by researchers from the security firm Nonsme, reside in the Bosch Rex, Rexroth handheld net, uh, nut runner NXA015 S-36V-B. I'm guessing it's a 36-volt uh, device. The cordless device, which wirelessly connects to a local network of organizations that use it, allows engineers to tighten bolts and other mechanical fastenings to pre precise torque levels that are critical for safety and reliability. When fasteners are too loose, they risk causing the device to overheat and start fires. When they're too tight, threads can fail and result in torques that are too loose. The Netrunner provides a torque level indicator display that's backed by a certification from the Association of German Engineers and adopted by the automotive industry in 1999. The NEXO-OS firmware running on the devices can be controlled using a browser-based management interface, and it makes me sad that the interface screenshot they show for their wrench looks like any old printer interface, like they say started with a printer firmware instead of a Something custom for this is what it looks like, but uh, I could be wrong. Maybe they just you know borrow the web, you know borrow the design for a web interface. But Nazmi researchers said the device is riddled with 23 vulnerabilities that, in certain cases, can be exploited to install malware. The malware could then be used to disable entire fleets of the devices or to cause them to tighten fastenings too loosely or tightly while the display continued to indicate the critical settings are still properly in place. Bosch officials emailed a statement that included the usual lines about security being a top priority when it went on to say that Nazmi Research reached out a few weeks ago to reveal the vulnerabilities. Quote, Bosch Rexroth immediately took up this advice and is working on a patch to solve the problem. Unquote. The statement said, quote, the patch will be released at the end of January 2024, unquote. So the the reason I wanted to hit this story besides just the um the headline of you know network connected wrenches are installing ransomware. Um anything with a touch screen or a display in it, or anything that looks like it's fairly complex, has a microcontroller in it these days. They don't make anything out of discrete logic anymore. It's all got a microcontroller in it because a microcontroller is cheaper. Discrete logic, you know, shit they used to use to run pinball machines before we had microcontrollers. That stuff, this day and age, you know, 74 level logic chips are so expensive, they don't bother. They buy a, they buy a 50 cent microcontroller, if it's even that. Sometimes they're like a nickel, depending on what they're doing with it. And that's what they put in their fleet of devices. And so their firmware is going to be based off that microcontroller's um, example code, usually. 
And if it's got a touchscreen on it, it'll have a microcontroller with a little bit of horsepower behind it. If it's got a nice looking touchscreen on it, it's probably running Android. It's amazing the number of devices that are running Android under the hood this day and age. Because it's easier for them to load up Android and write their write their firmware in Java or C than it is to actually do microcontroller programming. So they'll actually spend the extra couple of bucks, because that really is all it is, to put an ARM chip in there and run like Android firmware rather than uh you know put in a microcontroller and have somebody spend the time to develop the firmware for that, especially if they want like web connections, networking and things like that. So um everything has a computer in it this day and age. You know, you guys the other day said, well, how many computers do you have in the house? And I said, don't ask me hard questions like that. Okay, yeah, I have a lot of actual discrete computers because I do things. But also, the the speed controller for the ceiling fan in this room, because it's a fairly new ceiling fan, and it has a little wireless controller, I'm fairly certain has a microprocessor in it, has a computer in it. I'm fairly certain my thermostats have a computer in them. Even though it, they're not smart thermostats, they're not pro, you know, they, they are programmable, but it's it's like a goofy thing where you have to you know do Street Fighter codes on the pad to program them. Um, of course, my car is full of them because uh, I'm a fairly new car, so it's probably got twenty or thirty different controllers in it that are all com- you know just all computers. I mean, they're in fucking everything this day and age, and everything has firmware. You want to know, there's an actually really easy way to tell if something has firmware. Open it up and see if you can find four little test pads near each other um, that look like a serial port, or three in an SPI port. And it's probably got firmware in it, because that's probably is a serial port. And if you know the pins to hook it up to, you can probably hook it up to a laptop and see the console on the thing. Everything as a computer in it these day and ages because they're cheaper than discrete electronics. Speaking of niche markets, I've seen how much these torque wrenches go for. I think a company could make bank, especially with the shit the airline industry is going through right now, announcing we do have discrete logic. Ours are the most secure. (laughs) Use our shit. Yeah, maybe. But they won't be nearly as easy to. Right now. They won't be nearly as easy to program. Oh, secondary market, come back to us. We'll program it for you. That's what the, a lot of them did in the nineties. So, um, I'm seeing the clock here. I kind of want to finish up. Are you? You got anything on this? No, I'm good. All right. So the last article I had for tonight was uh, Disney has actually done something I did not expect. They backed down from the Steamboat Willie copyright claim on YouTube. Somebody had put a different audio track on the original Steamboat Willie and posted it to YouTube and immediately got a copyright takedown from Disney, even though it's in public domain now. And um, about a week later, they backed down. Disney actually acknowledged that it's in the public domain. I did not expect that. I honestly was expecting Disney to just say, fuck you, we're going to enforce the copyright anyways, even though it's now public domain. Yeah, I thought that's what they'd do too. Well, you know they're going to be watching it like a hawk, that if anything is even remotely looks like, you know, the modern Mickey, they're they're going to shut it down. 
Like yeah. it has, it's going to have to be the exact design of the Steamboat Willie Mickey for whatever you're doing with it, or they, they, you know, they're going to sue you into oblivion. They're going to have a bit of trouble with that. Uh, they tried with some of their newer cartoons to go back to the Steamboat Willie style uh, a few years ago. I thought they were crappy looking cartoons. Mm. So, I don't know. But um, Disney doesn't exactly have a stellar reputation when it comes to um, how they handle copyright. So A lot of times with the getting expanded, they did actually, I think, just bribed Congress, didn't they? Yeah, the last time. The last time they expanded the copyright, they did. But um, they've, they've, like I said, they've actually let the Steamboat Willie go into public domain. But I, I think the reason people get on Disney's case about it so much more than any other company is because so much of Disney's IP is based off taking stuff that was in the public domain, like the grim fairy tales and other, you know, stories and things like that, making their version of it. And then essentially locking up what was a public domain story. Because if you go make your own version of the snow queen or the little mermaid, uh, I forget what their book was originally called. And your characters even look remotely like the Disney characters. Like, you know, if your Snow Queen has a braid in her hair, if you design your own, Disney's going to sue the pants off you. Yep. Even though it's you're basing it off public domain work. So, you know, it's just kind of, kind of interesting to see that they did actually back down because they still copyright cl- claimed it, but... I think that one's gotten so much public attention, they kind of have to. But any other fan productions of Mickey that's not like South Park or other really obvious, you know, things that are trying to get attention, I think they'll still go go try to sick the lawyers on them. I honestly think they'll do that. They'll just claim it's like, no, that's not the Steamboat Willie Mickey. That's the modern Mickey. See, you drew him with gloves or his hands weren't, weren't the right shape or whatever the fuck. So... Will they be successful on a strict reading of the law? Probably not, but on running you out of money because they have more lawyers than you do? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, that's where this selective shit so pisses me off. Mm-hmm, They're yeah. not going to go after South Park because they have money to fight back. They're going to go after some random YouTuber that'll just drop it. So, And what really sucks with the, the IP that they lock up if you pull up a description of Han Christian Anderson's Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. traditionally she has red hair. It's a red-haired white chick. So Disney's Little Mermaid, it's the generic Little Mermaid from the public domain work. But if you <laughs> if, if you made your own Little Mermaid and it looked even close to theirs, you know their lawyers would be on you like flies on shit. Oh, yeah, I'd have to make her blonde <laughs> or black. Oh, no, wait a minute. <laughs> well, Fox did that with that Peter Pan cartoon. They had to go change basically every element about the character just to keep Disney off their ass. It was Peter Pan, which has been in public domain for like 100 years or something. Well, okay, not that long. Uh, I think it might have been that long when Disney made it. When was Peter Pan published? 1800s. I think I might be wrong on that. My brain's been affected by technology. I can't remember facts like I, you know, just like we were talking about earlier. 
So I was surprised they dropped it, but I think it was because it got so much attention. Anyways, let's let's do this. Unless you guys have anything else, I'm good. That is the wrong button. So, this is hilarious. This is an old blog post. It's from 2017. It's from uh, Christian Hackskin's blog. How to defend your website with zip bombs. So, what he's done is he describes a basic zip bomb. For anybody who doesn't know what a zip bomb is, this used to be an old trick you would do, like AOL days is when I saw them. Uh, but essentially, it turns out GZIP, the the actual you know algorithm for compressing files, the ZIP algorithm, is really good at compressing uh, repetitive numbers or repetitive characters, text characters. So you can create a file that is multiple terabytes in size and compresses down to like 10 meg. So when, um, actually he links to example of 42.zip, which is a four and a half petabyte file that somebody managed to compress down to 42 kilobytes. Holy shit. Now the gag of these things is the moment you try to open that in any tool that handles compressed files you're either going to run out of disk space or ram like immediately right especially because these things were invented back in the you know the pentium days the 486 days so you know you have less than a gigabyte of ram and you know maybe maybe a couple hundred megabytes for hard disk space on your average computer so the zip bomb depending on how badly it hit could you know crash your computer out, crash whatever program you're using out, trash your hard drive. If it, you know, sits there and starts overwriting shit on the hard drive, trying to read the zip file. Um, you know, on a modern system, it's more likely to crash out whatever program it's using because it'll try to read it into RAM. So he goes on to describe how to create a zip file just on, uh, you know, an empty zip file, basically, but that's like, you know, he makes something that's, you know, a 10 gigabyte zip file that he compresses down to about 10 meg. And that's because he's literally using DD to copy zeros into a gzip file. So he didn't even try to get fancy with trying to manipulate the algorithm or anything. He's just dumping zeros into a file to make something that's a, you know, let's make something that's a decent zip bomb. Because he knows it doesn't need to exhaust somebody's hard disk. It just needs to exhaust their RAM. And 10 gigs probably a pretty good guess for a lot of modern you know, laptops. And this is from 2017. This is when most people had 8 or 16. So you could probably just double the numbers in this and still make it good. But instead of just hosting a zip file or emailing it to people or, you know, passing it to them on a floppy disk to, you know, giggle as their computer crashed when they tried to open the file... He's hosting it through PHP code to um, whenever he gets a user agent for Nikto or SQL map or, you know, a common scanning tool to have PHP just 
pass the file raw. Because gzip is a standard when it comes to posting files, you can just pass a gzipped file. And then when the tool gets it, it will try to decompress it to understand what was in the stream because compressing network traffic is a fairly common thing web servers do these days. So he's got some test results here. IE11, memory crisis, it crashes. Chrome, memory rises, it eventually shows an error. Edge, memory rises, then dips, then loads forever. So it just it just hangs. Nikto seems to scan fine, but you get no output. SQL map causes a high memory use until it crashes. Safari, this is an interesting one. High memory use, then crashes, tries to reload. It's high memory use, crashes, because it keeps trying to reload the page. So it's, you, you, you lock that one up really good. Chrome on Android apparently does the same thing, runs out of memory, and then just you know crashes out with an error. So what this what you can do with something like this is create these kinds of zip bomb scripts and put them around parts of your website that you know, normally people shouldn't be messing with. And, um, you know, things you would put in the robots.txt file, things like that. But if somebody's going to scan the website, you know, hit it with one of the tools or, you know, just start, you know, even hunting, pecking around the website, you know, looking for things they shouldn't find. You know, he uses the example of like the WP admin folders when you're not running WordPress. Um, you know, to basically fuck with people trying to scan your website by just sending them garbage until their tool crashes. I just got a kick out of it. I thought it was a great little write-up. He explains it well, and it's a uh, it's a neat use of an old method. Yeah. So. Anyways. Defensive hacking. Huh? <laughs> Defensive hacking. Yeah, basically. Well, I mean, it's not quite hacking back, but it is making your website difficult to scan by basically putting a landmine on it that'll crash out whatever tool they're using most likely because it's just not meant to handle that kind of bullshit coming at it um anyways of course listen to the stream we're always working on it peer decking every thursday the galaxy 15 radio site the bbs is up and running cycros was sending me links on there um i need to do more at the bbs but i just frankly haven't so we maybe i should recruit a sysop or something but um anyways that's all i've got madman closing thoughts Oh, Peter Pan's not as old as I thought it was. 1911. Really? Yeah. Wow, I thought it was it like... Was in... It was inspired by like uh, the late Napoleonic Wars and uh, World War, uh, the beginnings of World War One a bit. Wow, okay. I thought it was older than that. I thought it was... I, I did say it earlier. I thought it was in the 1800s when it was written. So, I remember the author was a pedophile. Didn't know that. Yeah. Apparently, he uh, would move in with families and uh, spent more time with the children than with the, with the adults. <sighs> uh, are you closing thoughts? On that one, man, I have nothing. God hates Australia. Thank you for your continuing patience during this transitional zombie apocalypse. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. Stop edging in my class!